Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast and happy birthday. Today, on Anniversary Sunday, we're celebrating seven years of Voo with this special message from Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. Set a reminder. As we reflect on all that God has done, we're filled with gratitude and expectant for the future. The best days are truly yet to come. God's past faithfulness allows us to trust His future provision. Now let's lean into the message together. All right, today is not a collection, but the Lord spoke to me this summer as I was reading, and I came across this little verse that I shared it with our staff at our staff retreat. And now today I wanna bring it to you. I believe in many ways it is a prophetic word. It is an an exhortation to our church seven years in. 1 Samuel chapter seven. I know, I I like stuff like that. 1 Samuel chapter seven. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer. Everyone say Ebenezer. Look at your neighbor who's not talking and say Ebenezer. Not Ebenezer Scrooge. He named it Ebenezer saying, look at this. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. I just love this little verse in many ways. I just feel like it's a now word for us. It's encouraged me all summer long. And today I'm excited to shout at you what God's been whispering to me. And uh, I titled today's message, um, Hey Siri, Set a reminder. <laughs> Everyone say, hey Siri. hey Siri. Set a reminder. How many out there you would say you've got a pretty good memory? Where are you people? Where are you? Where are the dolphins at? Okay, a couple dolphins. The recall of a dolphin. Who out there you would be honest and say you have a hard time remembering stuff? Where's all the forgetful people? Okay. How many are like, I, I, it's too much for me to raise my hand today, okay? <laughs> uh, I want to talk on this subject of set a reminder. I, I, I tend to think of myself as somebody who has a fairly good memory, uh, but the reality of it is, is that I probably forget more than I'd like to admit. Um, I remember um, a couple of years back, it was my six-year wedding anniversary. Uh, those of you that are new to our story, my wife and I, we just celebrated 16 years of marriage back in August. And anniversaries, much like today, birthdays are a great time to look back and celebrate the faithfulness of God. I remember on this particular anniversary, I was traveling. I was actually in London, England, and my wife was back here in Miami. And uh, we've always lived pretty busy, fast-paced lives. And at the time, I was, I was out preaching somewhere, and she was back home. And we got on the phone that morning early, and we were chatting, and we were talking on the phone. Hey, what's up, girl? How you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'll be missing you. Yeah, I'll be missing you too. I love you. I love you more. Shut up. No, I love you more. So, okay. And we got off the phone. And when we got off the phone, true story, um, nobody had said happy anniversary. In fact, I'm going to be honest, your boy forgot. My wife called back five minutes later. And she said, Rich, did you forget our anniversary? And I had to think quick, yo. I was like, girl, 
every day's our anniversary. <laughs> Guys, that'll work one time and one time only. <laughs> At the heart of it, I, I, had, I had forgotten. We are forgetful people. I am... Um, the other day, uh, I took my boys, both Wyatt and Wild, this was just on uh, Thursday, to a birthday party. In fact, I got to my house, when I got to my house, uh, the little cousin, Ellie, that's the daughter of Dakota and Blair, who serve in our Vuhai department, uh, she was at the house. And I don't know, I was feeling brave that day. And I was like, yo, I'm taking Wyatt and Wild to this little girl's five-year-old birthday. Do you want me to take Ellie as well? I don't know who I think I am. I think I'm like super dad or something. <laughs> I took three of these kids in my minivan, shout out to Honda Odyssey. <laughs> and we drove to this little girl's five-year-old birthday party. We were having such a good time. But the funniest thing in the world happened because uh, Wild had to go to the bathroom. And so I took Wild and Wyatt to the restroom and I left Ellie in the bounce house. Now I knew where she was. <laughs> but while I was in the bathroom, I start getting repeated phone calls from the party host. And I'm like, what is going on? I finally come out and the woman who's hosting the party has this frantic look on her face. She said, oh my God, I thought that you forgot your niece. Your niece tried to leave the party out the front door. We all thought that you left her. I said, who do you think I am? I forget stuff, but I'm not gonna forget my niece, y'all. We are forgetful people. We have to realize this about ourselves, that we are prone to forget. In fact, researchers talk about learners and they talk about the corporate setting. And what they'll tell us is those that are learning or gaining new knowledge, that if we do not consciously go over and study what we have learned, what they tell us is that within one hour, we will forget 50% of what we just heard. Now, this is not encouraging to preachers who only get to see you once a month, okay? Within... Within 48 hours, you'll forget 70% of what you heard. Within a week, you'll forget 90% of the information. Why? Because human beings are programmed to forget. We tend to forget. Now, how many of y'all know, it's okay if we forget an anniversary from time to time. It's okay if we forget a coffee date. It's not okay if you forget your niece at a party. We cannot forget God. We must set a reminder. We must tell ourselves over and over again about his faithfulness, his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Forget a lot of things. Don't forget God. Why? Because when you forget God, your faith deteriorates. In fact, God knows this about us. This is why over and over again in the scriptures, God is telling you to set a reminder. Look at Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. Just wanna give you tons of scriptures today about this. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not, what's the word? So that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them to all the moms and dads out there. It is up to us to steward this gospel message that we would pass it down to our kids and to our kids' kids and to our kids' kids, kids' kids, kids' kids. We have to teach them to remember. 
There's a scripture in Judges that scares me so much. It says an entire generation grew up and did not know God. Why? Because somebody forgot. Somebody didn't set a reminder. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. This is encouraging. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities, you did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not you do not, Forget. come on city, I can't hear you. You do not, Forget. the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When God starts blessing you, when God starts doing things inside of you, please don't forget what God has done. Look at Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 11, just in the exact same book. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not, be careful that you do not the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God is telling his people over and over and over again, do not forget about me. I love it what the great church reformer, Martin Luther, what he said, he said it this way. He says, this is the most dangerous trial of all. When there is no trial and everything goes well, for then a man is tempted to forget God to become too bold and to misuse times of prosperity. Ooh. I came into this place today with not the most eloquent sermon, but I came in with a true sermon, with a profound sermon. And my job today is just to remind our church that God has been faithful to Vu Church. Seven years in, he has done miraculous things, beautiful things. But I came to remind this community, not by might, nor by power, but it's been by the Spirit of God that we have moved forward. Somebody give God praise. I don't wanna forget, it's always been about Him. Somebody give God some praise. Set a reminder. Set a reminder. Today on our anniversary, that's what we're doing. We're setting a reminder. We're letting all the new people who are coming in, we're reminding some people, this isn't because of our strategies. This isn't because of good leadership. This is because of the faithfulness, the goodness, the mercy of a God who has always been faithful. Set a reminder. Set a reminder. I didn't come in to play church today. I didn't just come in to talk to you today. I came into this house to get a little bit ratchet, to give some undignified praise, to say, if God woke you up, you ought to give him praise. He didn't forget to wake you up. Don't forget to give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's faithful. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Look at your neighbor and say, set a reminder. 
Set a reminder, set a reminder. Let our anniversary services always be a day that we set a reminder. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. He woke me up. He woke me up. I got clothes on my back. I got a roof over my head. I got food in my belly. It's, it's because of the goodness and the grace of God. I don't want anybody walking in here thinking the wrong thing about this place. God has prospered this house. God has met our needs. But I don't want anyone walking in here thinking that we think it's because of us. Spread the word. Let everybody know. The people over at Voo Church, they are not very qualified to be leading that place. But I am thankful to a God who has never called the qualified, but he's always qualified the called. I'm setting a reminder today. Somebody give God some praise today. Somebody go ahead and worship him. Just act like you know it's always been him. It's because of him, it's because of him, it's because of him. He's faithful, he's good, he's faithful, he's good. We are not impressed with ourselves. We are not impressed with ourselves. We are impressed with a God who would use the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, the weak things of this world to shame the strong, the lowly things of this world, the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Someone say, set a reminder. Today, this principle is so beautifully seen in the picture of the story of the prophet of Samuel. Samuel, just to give us some context, his story begins in 1 Samuel. The entire book is all about this prophet. But his story is a beautiful story. His origin story, I think, is important even as we get to chapter 7 today that we understand where he came from, how he got to where he is. We got a full mess up on this stage today. I just knocked that entire glass of water over. Oh, God's getting ready to pour out something. Don't you love preachers? We can, we can preach anything. We can preach anything. Ah. But Samuel's story begins in 1 Samuel, and I just want to give you a little bit of context, because if you don't know his story, I think it's going to make it that much more powerful as we get to chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 1 tells the story of a man by the name of Elkanah. Elkanah has two wives, yo. Uh, that's a lot. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he has a wife named Hannah, and he has a wife named Penina. And Hannah, if you know her story, uh, is a woman who God has closed her womb. And every year she would go to the temple and she would cry out to God. In fact, one time she's at the temple crying out to God, and the priest Eli walks over and is like, yo, are you drunk? He, he scolds her because she is so undignified in her request towards God. She goes, no, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm here desperate for God to answer me. What's fascinating about the story of Hannah is, is that the scripture says that Elkanah, her husband, would give her a double portion to sacrifice when she would go to the temple. Now, to you, that might not sound very interesting, but it's quite interesting when you understand uh, the biblical narrative and the culture of that day that a woman who was unable to have children uh, normally, she wouldn't be blessed for this. In fact, she would usually be cursed by her husband. Uh, women back then, their greatest contribution, uh, it was a crazy way of thinking, was to bring children into the earth. Yet somehow this woman who could bear no children had a double portion, had favor from her husband. I want you to see this because there's a type and a shadow that, that Elkanah's favor towards Hannah was not based on her fruitfulness for him. 
Now that'll preach to some of y'all today because that is exactly what God has done in our life, that because of Jesus, that when we're in Christ, when we've hidden ourselves, that his blood has covered us, all of a sudden God favors us, not because of our fruitfulness for him. We cannot perform for God. In fact, Hannah's name, watch this, Hannah's name means favor. What's fascinating though, is that she don't feel favored. That's how favor works. You don't always feel favor, but favor is not a feeling, favor is a fact. Her name means favor. And let me remind you that when you met Jesus Christ, he changed your name. You are no longer just so-and-so, you are now a child of God and his favor rests upon your life. The problem for Hannah was not only was she barren, but she had this sister wife named Penina. And Penina would always provoke her, the scripture says would mock her. Penina was able to have children, Hannah wasn't, and so this was the one thing that Penina had over her. She saw that Hannah was favored by Elkanah, but she would like to point out her barrenness. Some of us need to recognize that whenever we have a pain point, whenever we have a problem, more often than not, there will be a Penina attached to it provoking us. Some of us today, we got some pain points in our life, and it's one thing to have pain, it's another thing when you have somebody who's pointing out your pain, who's applying pressure to your pain. Many of us, we wanna fight back in the flesh. Many of us, we wanna go off on some people. We wanna give people a piece of our mind. But let me remind you what the scripture says. The scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Do not fight the Lord's battle. Give the Lord his battle back. Let him fight on your behalf. He will defend you. Hannah, one day at that temple says, God, if you'll give me a child, I will give him back to you. And that's exactly what God does. His favored child, he, he gives her a boy, and his name is Samuel. And I love it because Hannah, when she has the boy, she fulfills her promise. How many of y'all, you ever been in that place before? I'm not gonna point you out, but we be making promises to God when times are tough. <laughs> and then he comes through and then we don't come through, yo, you know? God, if you will just let me make it through this day, I promise you, I will never miss church again. You get through and it's like, ah, I don't know if I'm gonna make it next Sunday. We, 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 we have all made some promises to God, but not Hannah. She gets her boy and she gives Samuel back to God's house. Here's what's powerful. By the time I would show it to you, but we see that Samuel is dedicated to God. He literally grows up in the temple of God under the priest of Eli. And this is what the scripture says. The scripture says that Samuel, he grows in wisdom, stature, and favor with God. We just tell all the parents out there, Raise your kids in God's house. There is a blessing on the house of God. Get your kids in the house of the Lord. Watch them grow in favor, in wisdom. Rich, oh, you're just pulling out one verse. I wish it was just one verse, but it shows up again in the New Testament under the new covenant when Jesus Christ, Luke chapter two, verse 52. Remember that story? Some of y'all think you're bad parents. Read the Bible. Mary and Joseph. <laughs> They didn't go to the bathroom and forget their niece at the bounce house for five minutes. They literally were three days into the journey going, wait a minute, where's the son of God? Mary and Joseph left Jesus at the temple for three days. I'm like, Lord, you are funny how you pick people. They can't even watch your boy. They don't even know he's gone. 12 years old, where is he? He's in the house. And when they find him, what does it say? It says, he says, I had to be about my father's business. 
But then the scripture says, Luke chapter two, verse 52, and then Jesus grew. Someone say, Jesus grew. Yo, if Jesus grew, I think you can grow. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and then it adds this one on, favor with man. See, some of y'all don't realize it. You kind of live your whole life going, I'm just keeping it real, yo. Some of you think your entire assignment, like, keep it real. And the reason why you really don't have a job is because you always keep it real. Say, what are you talking about, Rich? I'm talking about you actually need favor with man to accomplish what God has called you to do. And when we start to grow, we don't just grow in favor with God, we actually grow in favor with others as well. God uses us. Someone say, grow in the house. Samuel begins to grow in the house, and I love his entire story. It's right there in the first few chapters of 1 Samuel. He was there working in the temple underneath the priest Eli. Eli at the time uh, was the priest. That means that he represented the people to God. Uh, Eli had some problems in his own house. Uh, it reminds us of the apostle Paul as he gives us qualifications to shepherd and to be an elder in the house, that if you can't manage your own house, you probably can't manage God's house. And so Eli had two boys. Their name were Hophnius and Phineas. And these boys were wicked in God's sight. They were sleeping with women in the church. They were allowing prostitution to take place. It was an entire debacle. And Eli, because of his love for his boys, would not correct them, would not punish them, allowed them and empowered them to keep operating in a wicked way. So one night, God has to find a new leader. And so he goes to a young 12-year-old boy by the name of Samuel. And I love Samuel's story because the scripture says one night the voice came and spoke to Samuel. And when Samuel heard the voice, he didn't know it was God. In fact, he thought it was Eli. See, we need to understand that we grow in learning how to decipher the voice of God. That's why I feel like you're brand new to church. Like God's not gonna say something to you that disagrees with his written word. Sometimes people make me laugh so hard. It's like, yeah, pastor, I'm getting out of this marriage. Why? God told me. Really? I think that's the pizza you ate last night, bro. <laughs> Sometimes we like, to, we like to say what God is saying. Yo, if God didn't say it here, he's not gonna say it to you there, okay? Come on, somebody. Samuel thinks it's Eli, and he comes back, and it happens three different times, and Eli finally understands what's going on. He says, yo, if you hear this voice again, Next time, simply say, speak for your servant is listening. There's a little verse that pops up. I think it's 1 Samuel chapter three. And it says that Samuel went back and just laid in his place. I love that little verse. It's always spoken to me because I think many times we're trying to get a word from God, but we're not in the right place. We need to be in our place. We need to be content with where God has us at today. In fact, I wrote it down this way. Contentment with where God has you usually leads to God's calling of where he's taking you. It's when he was in his place that he heard the word of the Lord and God came and spoke to him and said, I'm gonna raise you up and I want you to actually go and tell Eli that calamity and destruction is coming towards Israel because of their sin. And so Samuel, this young boy, he just obeys the word of God and he comes and he speaks on behalf of God to Eli, and then the story takes off. The Philistine army, they come in, and they destroy the Israelite people. They kill Hophnius and Phinehas, and on top of that, they steal the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say the Ark of the Covenant. 
Now, this is such disturbing information that when Eli gets the word that the ark has been stolen and his sons have been killed, he falls out of his chair and breaks his neck. It's the end of his story. Everything that God spoke to him, it happens. And now Samuel becomes the first prophet of Israel, which is the priest represented the people to God. Now the prophet, he represents God to the people. And Samuel begins to call upon the people and he says, you gotta repent, you've gotta humble yourselves. Get rid of your idols, get rid of your foreign worship, get rid of the pagan idols in your house. You see, the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. And some of you are like, well, what is the Ark of the Covenant? I saw, you know, Raiders of the Last Ark. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. However, they got some things wrong in that. But the Ark of the Covenant, according to the Old Testament, was a golden chest where literally God's presence dwelt. And the Ark of the Covenant was a powerful thing. In fact, there was all sorts of rules and regulations around the Ark. You couldn't touch the Ark. If you touched the Ark, you were touching the glory of God. You would die instantly. So the Ark had to be carried on poles. It had to have all sorts of procedures and regulations. But now, because the Israelite people have forgotten God, God has allowed them to be overtaken by the Philistines. And now the Philistines have stolen the Ark. Now, the ark is powerful because inside the ark are three different artifacts that were meaningful to God's people. The first thing inside of the ark was the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments represent the law of God. It's God's authority. Some of us today, we don't realize that we have been saved and we have been sanctified because of grace. That the law, every time you look at the law, all it will ever do in your life is humble you drive you to your knees. Some of you in this room, you're still trying to keep the law. <laughs> Have fun, because we are unable to do it. That's the point of the law. It is a mirror to point out all of our blemishes, all of our wrinkles, all of our deficiencies, and it's to guide us and lead us towards the person of Jesus who came and did all the work for us that we might fall more in love with him. But it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. Inside also was Aaron's rod. Now, this is the rod that budded some of you, you know some of the Old Testament, but the story was they were trying to figure out who would be uh, the tribe of priests. And so all the tribes put their staffs in. Aaron, who is from the tribe of the Levites, his staff went in and overnight it began to blossom or begin to uh, bud. It had flowers come out. It was the indication that the Levite tribe would be the priest. And so Aaron's rod represents the priesthood of God. And the third thing inside was a, was a golden jar of manna. And what does manna represent? It represents the provision of God. That when the Israelites left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness. And every morning when they would wake up, there would be manna on the ground. Manna was just daily sustenance. It was food to keep them going on the journey. There was one rule attached to the manna. You can't take more than what you can eat on that day. In fact, if you try to take more, which they did, it would spoil on them. Why? Because God was trying to teach his people and he's trying to teach you and I today. What did Jesus pray? Jesus taught us to pray, Father, give me my daily bread. That God wants your daily dependence. He doesn't want you to have another strategy, doesn't want us to have another plan. He wants our plan to be the person of Jesus, that we would rely upon you, Jesus. And inside the ark was God's authority, was God's presence, the priesthood, and was God's provision. 
What's fascinating to me is I hear a lot of people today, they'll say things like, we gotta get back to holiness. We gotta get back to holiness. The church, the reason why we don't have revival is because there's sin in the church. You do understand with that logic, revival would never start. Revival starts usually out of people who have sin and there's sin there. It's not gonna be stopped. It's God's grace that we have to come back to Jesus. People go, we gotta come back to holiness. I'm all about coming back to holiness as long as we agree that holiness is not a work of our flesh. Holiness is a work of his grace. But even the Old Testament ark was trying to teach you and I that for the ark was this golden chest. And if I were to ask you, hey, what's the most holy place on the planet? I would have to say, uh, Israel, what city is the most holy city in the world? I would have to say Jerusalem. Okay, what's the most holy place in Jerusalem? Uh, the temple. Okay, what's the most holy place in the temple? Uh, the holiest of holies. Okay, what's so holy in the holiest of holies? Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, what's the most holy place on the Ark of the Covenant? It's at the top. It's in between the two cherubim. It's called the mercy seat. And that's where God dwelt that even with the law and even with the priesthood and even with manna, God was trying to tell you, you wanna know what holiness looks like? It looks like my mercy. It looks like my favor. It looks like my grace. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to take about five seconds right now and thank God for his mercy and his grace if it wasn't for him. The mercy seat is where God dwelt. Even in the Old Testament, he was trying to tell you, I'm a merciful God. I love you in spite of you. The ark is stolen and decades go by and the Israelites are living under the persecution of the Philistine people. What takes place is when that ark is stolen, they don't realize that that all-powerful God, even though that ark is taken into darkness, the ark steps into the night and begins to illuminate things. The Philistines start having a world of problems. They bring it into the fish god, Dagon, and Dagon literally falls prostrate. The statue falls over because God was trying to say, I belong with my people. And after a whole bunch of series of things, the Philistines return the ark. And in 1 Samuel chapter seven, the ark has been returned. And Samuel gets up and he speaks to God's people and he says, repent. Remember God, stop forgetting. And as they all came together, they all began to repent. The Philistines heard that they were gathered. They tried to come and attack God's people, but with it, God sent the Philistines into a confusion and they began to kill each other. I'm trying to tell y'all, some of y'all fighting battles that you have no business fighting. You ought to let God fight your battle. You ought to set a reminder and watch as God takes control. And the scripture says, out of that victory, out of that victory, the boy born of favor, the the boy who represents God to the people, he gets up and this is what it says, He he took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer. Someone say Ebenezer. Saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, that's my favorite, throughout Samuel's lifetime, throughout the lifetime of Vu, throughout our story, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. What did Samuel do? 
Samuel grabbed a stone, a literal thing. Ebenezer, it literally means in Hebrew, the stone of help. Eben means stone. Ezer means help. It's the stone of help. And he placed it on the ground and he said, let this, I am Siri, I'm setting a reminder. I'm letting everybody know that the only reason we had victory today was because of the Lord's faithfulness. And I'm not just setting a reminder for me and my people today. I'm putting this stone here as a physical representation for the generations to come that God is a faithful God and he will fight your battles. Someone say, thus far, thus far the Lord has helped us. That's what the Lord wants me to tell you today. Thus far the Lord has helped us. But something tells me if God has been faithful to hear, if we'll keep trusting him, he's gonna be faithful to take us over there. Set a reminder. We need reminders. We need reminders. This building that we're in today here at South Miami is a reminder to me that God is faithful. When we had no property, when we had no place to gather, there was a God who said, I have a plan. I will look after you. Every time I see this building, I can't help but give God praise. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. But it's not just buildings. It's not just physical things like that. It's people that I see. I'm thinking today about our friend Manushka Charles, who leads right there in the city. She's pastoring now, but I remember back in 2018 when her and our good friend Mariana were in Mexico. They were headed to a wedding for people in our church. They found themselves in a car accident. Before you know it, Manushka Charles was in a coma. I'm telling you what, every time I see Manu, I look at her in the eyes and I am reminded of a God who still heals. Come on, somebody, set a reminder. Set a reminder. I raise my stone of Ebenezer. It's called my children. Because every time I look at my babies in the eyes, I recognize for eight years we did not have a child, but I am reminded of a God who still works miracles. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. He's helped us. He's helped us. He's helped us. He's faithful. If he got us here, he's going to get us there. If he got us here, he's gonna get us there. Today, I just have it in my heart to remind you of three basic things. This is just exhortation today. This is not Bible study. This is just the word of the Lord for our house on this anniversary. Three things you gotta set a reminder in your spirit as we move forward. Number one is it's faith over fear. It is faith over fear. We got here by faith. We're gonna continue in faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Come on, somebody, make a little bit of noise today. Many of us in this room, this is what we don't get, we don't get. We're still fighting fear like it's a feeling. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. And so we fight back with spiritual weapons. I want to remind you, we didn't get here with a spirit of fear. 
And we're certainly not gonna move into the next seven years with a spirit of fear. Sure, there's opposition. Sure, there's enemies. Sure, there's people that wanna stop what God is doing here, but I have come to remind you today, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. I'm just reminded today because if you are dealing with a spirit of fear, we're gonna pray for you, but let me just tell you, if you're able to sense a spirit of fear, you're also able to sense the spirit of God. Your spiritual radar is up and the Holy Spirit wants to come and give you power today, courage today. We got here today by faith. I don't wanna mail it in for the next seven years. I'm not trying to maintain stuff. I'm trying to multiply stuff. I'm trying to say, God, if you can use anyone, use us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about people who are far from God. And we're gonna step into the night recognizing that his presence goes with us. And as we step into the night, it's faith over fear. He promised you a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. But watch this. When you forget God's promises, you lose your purpose. I'm promised. I'm promised today, love, power, sound mind. Just setting some reminders today. It is faith over fear. Number two, it's trust over explanations. You wanna know how we're gonna roll for the next seven years? Trust over explanations. 2020, we had no place to gather. We had no property whatsoever. We went well over a year without a gathering. It was a scary time lost lots of people, but in the midst of a difficult moment, God brought us a miracle. We were able to buy a property and design district. It's a miracle story, but I'm always thankful because on that building, which I believe God preordained and set into motion long before any of us even had the idea of the church, on the outside of that building, the owner put a Bible verse on the building, and the Bible verse is Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So how do, I, how do I get from here to there? Trust. I heard one preacher say it this way. If you don't go to the grave in confusion, you don't go to the grave trusting God. Why? Because explanations are a substitute for trust. Let me tell you, I want to remind you of who we are. God, if you can use anyone, use us. Lord, we're thankful. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has carried us. Thus far, the Lord has made a way. God, we rid ourselves of us. We don't forget you. We remember you. How many of y'all know it's God's past faithfulness that allows us to trust his future provision? I just start going back and just seeing how God showed up over and over and over again. And what does it do? It gives me confidence to trust his future provision. It's faith over fear. It's trust over explanation. Watch this, number three. It's surrender over strength. That's who we are here at VU. It's just, God, we surrender. God, 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 I surrender once again. Um, God, I give up so that you can show up. 
Look what Isaiah prophesied. Let this be a word for your home, for your house. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What's Isaiah saying? He's saying where God guides, He provides. I can go back through our history and some of y'all, you're in this room, you're watching online, and you're seeing thousands of people turn up, but they didn't start this way. Starting a little apartment with a dream and a vision and some values. We were in the rescue mission for over a year, couldn't find a place to gather. But one day, getting off of I-95, I see a school covered in graffiti. And my wife and I just said, let's go see what that is. And we broke into the school pretty much. We found a janitor who, let us go into the auditorium. And when we walked into that little school auditorium, you would have thought we walked into the Taj Mahal. Whoa! The Lord was speaking to us. He was guiding and He was providing. We launched our church, and before you know it, a little launch team went to two services, then it went to three services, then to four services, five services. We found ourselves in six services on a Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 6 p.m., and 8 p.m. Packing out cafeterias, packing out school libraries, any place that we were given or we could use, we just turned it into the house of God. Somehow, by the grace of God, in 2018, we found the iTech Auditorium. We found ourselves in two locations, close to 6,000 people gathering every Sunday. Then 2020 hit. We're going, man, are we even going to be a church? Are we even going to make it through this thing? But I'm reminded of what Isaiah prophesies, that where he guides you, he will provide for you. Don't forget him. See, God doesn't need our strength. He wants our surrender. Wants our surrender. I just surrender. I'm telling you right now, I'm not good enough for the job. I'm not capable enough for the job. I'm not sharp enough for the job. But today, He doesn't need my strength. He, he wants to show up in His grace, and He just says, if you'll surrender, I'll use you. See, I want you to know today, God delays, but God doesn't forget. And that's the funny thing about you and I, because God says, don't forget me. But you and I, we serve the God that even when we forget Him, He still remembers us. That even when we're faithless, He's still faithful. How many of y'all know God has been setting reminders from the very beginning of time? It wasn't just... Samuel, who got a revelation to, to raise up an Ebenezer, to set something in motion. God did that first. What is the Passover meal? It's a, it's a reminder. What is communion? Communion where we break bread and we drink the wine. It's to remember and remind ourselves that God says, when you remember me, I will remember you. 
Drink the blood, eat the body, remember my sacrifice. What is the cross? It's a reminder that God poured out his wrath on Jesus and that because of Jesus, we're hidden in Christ. How about this? When Jesus resurrects from the grave, his body is brand new, it's new. It's something that's so amazing. He still has the scars on his hands, the scars on his feet, and the scars on his side. Why would Jesus Christ, in his resurrected glorious state, why would he still keep his scars? Because they are reminders. And every time you and I mess up, and every time we fall, and every time the enemy wants to approach the throne room of God and say, your kids are down there making mistakes, Jesus just pulls out the reminder and says, I've already paid the price once and for all. He set a reminder. He remembers you today. And I think the greatest reminder that God set is he set a reminder when he sent us his spirit. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 14. All this I've spoken while I was still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, what's the word? Remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Anybody grateful for the great reminder of the Holy Spirit who reminds us? Don't be afraid, church. Don't be afraid, church. Today, let us raise our Ebenezer. Let us lift up the stone of help. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. For the last seven years, God's grace has carried us but let it be a reminder that the same God who got us to this point will be the same God who carries us into the future. Let us not start in faith and continue in the flesh, but may we continue in the Spirit of God, the one who comforts us, the one who counsels us, the one who walks with us, the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's taken us on a journey. Stand to your feet at all of our locations in additional seating. We're gonna take a moment today on this anniversary service and we're gonna worship. We're gonna sing. We're reminding ourselves as we move forward, it's faith over fear. It's trust over explanations. It's surrender over strength. He's a faithful God and he's with us. And today as we worship, I, I want you to remember some of you, you've been on this journey for a while. I just want you to pick out a memory. Pick out a memory of God's faithfulness, where he showed up. I love how my friend Mark Batterson, he says it this way. He says, worship is about forgetting what's wrong with you and remembering what's right with God. God hasn't forgotten you. God sees you. The cross is the great reminder that he's bridged the gap Scripture says, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. It's not by our works or our pedigree. It's about believing and trusting in Him. And so today, all of us in this room, can we lift our hands towards heaven 
And can we just begin to get a memory in our mind of his faithfulness? Raise up your stone of Ebenezer. Remind yourself you didn't bring yourself to this place. He brought you here. And the same God who started this work will be the same God who completes it and finishes it. So come on, church. Lift your hands. Come on, lift your voice. Let's worship. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.